Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. Scrap. <laughs> Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. All right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 340, coming to you on Wednesday, October 23rd. This is a combo episode. Looking back at USC's win over the Arizona Wildcats this past Saturday and ahead on a short week to Friday night's game between USC and Colorado. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansided.com and our phone number is is 213-373-1872. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Dertola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. First episode in a while we haven't recorded in the studio. Well, you're in the studio. I'm not. So, it's I not mean, in the studio as far as I'm concerned. It's a half-studio episode. Yeah, it's a half-see, I guess we could say. Yeah. Uh, I'm back I'm back in Arizona. I traveled along with the Wildcats back to the state. Um, not really. But it is a short week. We are putting together a combo episode because we had some weird technical difficulties on Monday, uh, plus the weird short week wonkiness, so we put everything together in a combo episode. I'm curious how people feel about these combo episodes, where it's a fallout plus the preview. Is is it like sensory overload? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm asking the people. So if you're listening to this, send us a tweet, send us an email, send us a call, something. I don't know how you guys feel. Well, I think there's like a split in the fan base because there are people who really, really like our super long episodes, which these tend to be. And then there are people who are like, guys, keep it under an hour, please. And we're like, uh, yeah, no can do, no can do on that score. So I, I, I bet it's split. And, and I think it, it's got to come down to the time that it takes to listen. I think it's the time, plus I just feel like it's so much stuff packed into one episode. It's difficult. Yeah. I mean, our rundown is super freaking long right now, so I'm, I'm putting it together and it's super long. But um, so much stuff. We want to hear from you, and we always get to hear from you guys on game days when you call into the Reign of Troy rant line. Let's get to the calls from this past Saturday with USC's 41-14 win over Arizona. Hey, Rain and Troy, this is Jackson in Virginia. Hey, everybody, this is Michael in Idaho. Hey, Rain and Troy, Sean here from beautiful Austin, Texas. Hey, Michael and Alicia. This is Gare Bear. Hey, Rain and Troy, this is L.A. Fred calling. Rain and Troy Radio, what's up? This is Dave from Orange County. Yep, this is going to be a rant line, all right? No, wait. No, it's a rave line. There we go. I'm literally, literally trying to light up this victory cigar here. Oh, yeah, 
Anyway, uh, big win for the USC Trojans today. I was. I mean, what can you say? Uh, the first thing we got to start with is defense. I mean, after I just shit all over them last week, the defense just came through today and absolutely stepped up. Missing four starters before the, the game even begins, and they played their asses off tonight. The secondary was phenomenal. I know they got a lot of help from our defensive front by getting pressure. How in the world is Kenai Malga not on the field more often? The guy was all over the place tonight. Seven sacks, 11 tackles for a loss, three turnovers. We finally ended the streak. We won the turnover battle. It's, it's about freaking time. Uh, how nice was it for a change to watch a game where we establish a lead and maintain, maintain the lead and then even build on the lead throughout the game? I guess this week, instead of being a rant line, I guess we're going to have us a grant line. We have to grant. Uh, Coach Helton and staff their uh, props for doing a good job. I, I can't think of anything to complain about. Uh, at least for this week, things went well, and let's hope that uh, it continues the rest of the season. I always want to say, long snapper play of the year with the muff punt recovery. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of long snappers be athletic or do anything crazy, so that guy's got to be on cloud nine. The beginning of the game, so we'll see what happens, but USC was just gifted the ball after that muffed punt and got three points, did nothing with it. Uh, this offense is so frustrating sometimes, um, and again, especially in the context of this defense. This reminds me of the last few years where sometimes I just had no confidence in the offense. When the defense would get a fumble or an interception, I hoped that they ran it back. Any any opportunity the offense was given, it seems like they can't capitalize. I don't think we're running the air raid. I, this is like a blitzkrieg instead of an air raid. We're, we're, we're throwing in the first half of the game to set up the run in the second half. Keating Tristan came in. Oh, was I said over-under was 1.5 touches? Oh, I'm sorry, I meant 1.5 touchdowns. My bad. That's the fastest guy on the field. I don't, I'm not sure whether I want him to play uh, more than four games to burn the red shirt, but holy hell. That guy's going to be this good. He's going to be gone in three years anyway. Run him out there and have him put up points. This Pac-12 network really sucks. I have to go and subscribe to Sling so I can watch a game. And they don't even get the names right. Instead of saying Griffith, they put Arizona's returner. In the place of the returner, they put the name of our punter. They're so incompetent. This is such a joke. We got bad refs. We got bad networks. When does this all end? Freaking Grim Reaper came out there, just put the touch of death on everybody on our team. The freaking morgue out there with Steph, Carr, Afunga, Jackson. Uh, like, our four of our best players all went out tonight. Uh, we're hoping Godspeed on their recovery, and we'll really, really need them. You know, hopefully Colorado's looking as bad as they are. It's a road game, so it always makes me nervous, but we really need them all back for, for Oregon. Uh, but other than that, it was, it was a great night for USC Trojan football. I hope everyone can enjoy tonight's win and move on. Let's beat the Buffaloes next week and fight on, everybody. Fight on. And uh, fight out. There we go. People dialing into the Reign of Troy rant line after a win, which makes it a rave line. Yeah, but the rave line gets a lot less traffic. Like It does. It definitely does. like... 15-minute rave lines together with the 50,000 calls that we received after BYU and UW and Notre Dame. and then To, to be fair, though, I, I feel like people are more fired up. I mean, we got our most calls this year after the BYU game, which is a loss. People were fired yeah. up for that. Uh, the second most calls we got was after the Stanford win. So people are really fired up for big wins and frustrating losses. Uh, the stuff in the middle, you don't get that many calls. Yeah, well, and this, that's, we're going to talk about that, right? In this episode, 
how one processes beating a bad Arizona team. I mean, and it's also going to come into play with the Colorado game, too, because we said going into the season that the first six games were going to be the tough ones. And then the back end of the USC schedule was going to lighten up, lighten up quite considerably. Well, right. these these th- this two week span is the easiest stretch of USC season. And I say By easy. I, I, I don't say easy lightly because going to Colorado uh, on a short week, on a Friday with all of USC's injury problems it brings its own problems. But when you just look at like, I don't think USC fans came into the Arizona game thinking like, yep, that's a loss. No, I think USC fans came into the Arizona game thinking USC should trounce these guys. And that's what they did. And it didn't really. Well, I mean, we were expecting a shootout, right? We just didn't get the shootout portion of it. Yeah. Arizona's offense, I I don't think was was really that good in that game. They didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Right, and USC's defense answered the, answered the bell absolutely when when players went down. So we're going to talk about that more uh, when we are talking about the fallout portion of that game. Uh, but speaking of Arizona, Alicia, we are coming to your city. Oh, my city. Oh, your city. Yeah. Yes, my city. Uh, we are going to have a meetup in two weeks, Friday, November eighth, in Phoenix, downtown Phoenix. The night before USC and Arizona State, 7 p.m. at Churchill. Churchill, downtown. Look it up. Phoenix, 7 p.m., November 8th. Be there, be square. Uh, it is going to be a super fun time. Uh, I love going there. It is a cool little place. Um, it's 21 and over, just FYI, but it's dog friendly, which is cool. And uh, we're going to be there with our friends from Traveler Hates Thursdays. It's going to be a great time. And Kenny's bringing dogs. How great is that? Do we want to name his dogs? Do we? Or do, or do we want him to do that? This is Kenny, Kenny's parents' dogs. And yeah. by the way, Kenny's dad, I've met Kenny's dad. He's an awesome dude. Yeah. But I mean, I, I guess maybe we should just spill the beans. One of them's name is Barkley. Mm-hmm. And the other one's name is Cody. Yeah. One checks down to the other. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful little golden retrievers. Not little anymore because they're they're actually like big now. They're full grown. But the, the best part of our DM group with, with the THT guys is getting videos of yes. Cody and Barkley. Yeah. Be- between Simon's baby and the puppies, uh, the, the DM group has been very, very wonderful. Yes. So November 8th, Friday, the day before USC and Arizona State Lockhorns in Tempe. We'll be in downtown Phoenix at Churchill. Uh, it's a cool little place. It's basically a, hmm, I don't know how to describe it. it it's like a, uh, y- you know when you go to a mall and you go to a food court? It's like a food court, but for bars. Like there's bars in there instead of restaurants. A food court for bars. A food court, a bar court. There bar you go. Court. Interesting a, way to to pitch it. Yeah, there's like three bars and there's like a pizza place all inside of there, and it's a fun time. They got uh, they got cornhole. We can play some cornhole. Hey, uh, that'll be fun. Yep, November eighth, Friday, the day before USC and Arizona State. Also, we are trying to see if we can do a meetup in the Bay Area for the weekender. We are going to USC and Cal the following week. Uh, we'll let you guys know uh, if we end up doing that sort of thing. 
Well, figuring out a venue for that is the biggest challenge. Yes, because we are staying in the South Bay. Uh, most fans are staying in San Francisco. The game is in Berkeley. Like, wh- where the hell do you put a meetup? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, there is a, a pizza place in Berkeley that I absolutely love. That I insist that, you, that I reject here. That you That is not Michael friendly when it no. comes to the food choices, but also... It's got like limited hours and like limited like it's it's very uh, not meetup friendly, I think. So I'm a little bit bummed, but I may convince my brother uh, to have that be an outing at some point during that weekend. And uh, you can just sort of we'll, we'll pick up some dominoes for you uh, while we Thanks. chow down on, on the cheese board. Thanks. I'll, I'll just I'll be like, do you have a slice of cheddar cheese? That'd be great. <laughs> it is a bakery they do have a bakery you could get like you could just get like a cheese bread or something like that there we go that that could work but we'll let you know <laughs> if we have a meetup uh in the bay area in a couple of weeks but for now november 8th uh downtown phoenix in churchill uh is the place look it up it is a fun time uh we will see you guys then uh but we have so much more Coming not only in the form of meetup, but over on Patreon. Alicia, you put up your rewatch of the Arizona game this week. Uh, how'd that go? Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting rewatch because it kind of, in a weird way, confirmed a lot of Clay Helton's uh, conclusions about the game, which is is not always not always the case. Uh, but it was uh, it was interesting taking a closer look at USC's third down production specifically, uh, which I thought uh, really was the the tale of the game. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time. It, I got it done a little later in the week than I normally want to do, but still still finished. Yep. Uh, finishing is the, the key point there. And you can always listen to those over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy. Get all of our bonus episodes for as little as five fifty five a month. For 10 bucks, you can join the Rot Crew, which means access to our private Slack channel and talk about USC football as much or as little as you want because we talk about other stuff too. You can also support the show for free by leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. And we got one from Trojan in Ute Country who gave us a five-star review that says, Great podcast. Enjoy listening to you guys every week. It's nice to hear people who have the same opinion as me about the Trojans. Great podcast and fight on. Yeah, thanks for the review. Much appreciated. Uh, glad that we're all on the same page. Uh, that's not always the case <laughs> with uh, with us and USC fans, but uh, we'll take it. Thanks. Yeah, I feel like half the people say that we're too negative, half say we're too positive, and the other fraction of the percent is Trojan and you country, and you're the best for that. So Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. All right, let's take a quick break, come back, talk about the news, because, Alicia, the Trojans were dropping like flies against Arizona, and we're going to... We're going to talk about what went down in the fallout to that. We'll be right back. Rain Detroit Radio, what's up? This is Dave from Orange County. Yo, I had to call back, man. Uh, this is the great thing about the Rot the Rot by crew out there. Um, you know, I, I, I started watching the game late. I recorded it, you know, without doing family obligations, doing my thing. I put all my notifications on silent. I didn't want to see it here from Twitter. Didn't want to hear it from Slack. Just wanted to keep all radio silent, and it was it was all great. Worked out fine. I got I got to to watch the DVR, watch the game, and, and experience it all. And and now it's time I it's time for me to you know bask in the glow of of a victory. Have that victory cigar, and I and I open Slack, and you have 157 unread messages. Now I get to enjoy the timeline of the game as the Rotbot crew 
lived it in real time in Slack, and this just makes my heart just swoon. Like, this is almost as fun as watching that game, is going ahead and, and reading all the messages. Oh, look at that. And Shine and Mid-City-ish with his kid going to the game last minute. A freaking adorable. I love this so much. I love this Rock Crew so much. I love this community. This is so awesome. If you're not on, if you're not a part of the Patreon members just yet, yo, I, I don't know what you're waiting for. Sign up $10 a month. Get on this deal because this, this Slack crew is just, just, it's lit. It's awesome. I think that's what the kids are saying, right? It's, it's, it's a lit. Well, I, I gotta relight the cigar, but, um, it's lit. This is awesome. Get on it. <laughs> this is so cool. Uh, alright guys. Dave from Orange County. Fight out. All right, Alicia, USC had six different players leave the field for the game uh, on Saturday night. Marquis Stepp, Stephen Carr, Talanoa Hufanga, Drake Jackson, Abdul Malik McLean, and his brother, Munir McLean. Want the good news or the bad news first? Is there good news? I don't think there's good news. Uh, Let's just get to the bad news. Marquis Stepp needs surgery on a torn ligament in his ankle. Out three to five weeks. Uh, Stephen Carr is a grade two hamstring strain. He's probably out a couple of weeks, which makes it difficult to see if he gets back for Oregon. Uh, Drake Jackson has a high ankle sprain. Uh, he'll be out for a, at least a week or two. Uh, Talanoa Hufanga, dislocated shoulder. Again, he'll be out a while. Uh, Abdul Malik McLean, also a dislocated shoulder. And Munir McLean is out for the season with a torn ACL. Yeah, like like you said, there was no good news. Um, the when we talked about these injuries uh, on the Carcast, I suspected that you know of all of the six, maybe Stephen Carr, if it was just a little hamstring tweak, uh, maybe he'd be back in time for Colorado. The grade two pretty much puts that away. So all six of those guys you will not see on Friday. Um, the the real bummer is Marquis Step because he was running so very well. All all season, uh, particularly against Arizona, I thought he showed an in, an ever increasing and developing skill set, and it's it's just uh it's just one of those. The sad thing about it was it was just one of those freak, you know, your foot gets caught up under you during a tackle and it kind of whipped around and uh, and it and it needs surgery. So, uh, you know, on the on the optimistic side of things, maybe you get him back in time for the cow game, maybe. Uh, it's entirely possible he misses the rest of the regular season. So that's uh, Vi Malapai and Marquis Step, who are both sort of in that situation. And we and uh, you know with Stephen Carr and the hamstring, what are we always saying about hamstrings? Hamstrings and backs, tricky, tricky, tricky injuries to come back from. Who knows when Stephen Carr will be available? So the running back situation is interesting. Oh, is it interesting? Let me tell you, is it interesting? Do you want to to uh? I think we break the news to to say this and see if we can, you know, say this in in sync. Okay. Three, two, one. Dom Davis. Dom Davis down the sideline. Down the (laughs) sideline. I don't think either of us do a very good, uh, a very good. um, Uh, Joe uh, Davis. No. Joe Davis impression. Here, here. let me just do it here. Dom Davis down the sideline. Or should I say sideline? Back on the depth charts at running back for USC, he has moved over from wide receiver. If you're keeping score at home, he was a running back. 
then a cornerback, then a wide receiver, then a cornerback, then a wide receiver, now a running back again. He's back, Elise. He's back where he all started. And this is when it is time for the Heisman campaign to come out in full force, just in the, the right nick of time. And this is, this is when the Heismans are won, in October and November. In, indeed. Indeed. He's had quite the odyssey. And you know me, I'm a, I'm a fan of like stories. I'm a fan of, of storylines. And quite honestly, I think it would be awesome if Dom Davis did some stuff against Colorado. Like if Dom Davis, like, okay, just sit back and like, imagine this with him Michael. Uh, Keenan Kristen is the starting starting running back for USC, but Dom Davis does the Keenan Kristen against mm-hmm. Colorado mm-hmm. and down the yes. sidelines his way to a couple touchdowns. Oh yes, and then yeah. and then the following week USC comes back to the Coliseum mm-hmm. against Oregon, mm-hmm. and on the and first Dom and Davis drive, starts. Well, I don't know about Dom and Davis starting, but you know how the running backs are going right now, Michael. Do you trust Keenan Kristen? Not that I'm wishing any ill on him, knocking on all wood, but like, like Dom Davis being the starter at some point in the season, mm, maybe against Oregon, not you outside their own possibility. Dom Davis triumphantly leads USC to, to a to a a statement win over Oregon. You feeling me? This is the that's the favorite my favorite thing you've ever said ever in the history <laughs> of this podcast. Any of it, any of it. <laughs> it's great. Good Just keep keep saying these sweet nothings. Keep me. spinning. It is yeah, wonderful. keep 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 spinning these tales. Um, it is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's talk about reality here. Uh, Keenan Kristen's going to be the starting running back for USC uh, against Colorado. Quincy Junti is still the number two. Dominic Davis is the number three. Mike Jinks was asked about this on Monday, and he only mentioned Dominic Davis once. He talked a lot about how they're going to have to put a lot of faith in Keenan Kristen to be the guy for USC this week, but that they also has a ton of faith in Quincy Junti, who was the the walk-on who fumbled uh, in place of Marquis Step in the third quarter against Arizona. So it is number one, Keenan Kristen, number two, Quincy Junti, number three, Dominic Davis. So I, I'm, I'm not completely having my head buried that Dominic Davis is going to have a huge game, anything or anything. Maybe we'll see. Possibly. I mean, but, honestly, honestly, I don't but, think Dominic Davis is going to see any carries unless the hand is You don't is have forced. to break my heart so quickly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I, w- I will say uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how USC manages a running back rotation because Clay Helton has always said it's important to, you know, get guys, uh, keep guys fresh and, and switch guys in and out. And that works when you have as many great running backs as USC has. But when you're down to just two and one of them is a former walk-on and one of them is a true freshman, like, are we going to see anyone get, are we going to see anyone get 17, 18, 19 carries? Uh, are there, is USC even going to run that often? Um, are they going to do the, this is my drive, this is your drive, this is my drive, this is your drive switch off that they've done with the two-back rotation whether it was Vi Malapai and Stephen Carr or Marquis Step and Stephen Carr, like, are are we gonna see Kane and Kristen be the featured back, or are they really gonna mix in Quincy Junti? Like, it's I'm gonna so ha- curious. He's gonna have to be the featured back. There's no other way around it. But but the I think Quincy Junti's gonna play a good a good bit. But I, I, I will Quincy Junti get drives? This, this is my my question because the the all season it's been 
one running back on one drive, the next drive, a new running back comes out. Right. Yeah. And that's my question is, does Quincy Junty get drives? I would imagine so, yeah. So it's you, be- you, you can't have Keenan Kristen out there every single play. No, no, for sure. For sure. But is I, the rotation going to work the same way? That, that, uh, yeah, I would imagine that, yeah, Kristen is going to get probably two-thirds of the drives, but he's going to be out there. And he's probably going to get, like, uh, if, if SC runs 25 times, I, I think it's going to be something like Keenan Kristen runs, you know, 16 of those times. Will and then Junty run? runs, like, six. Uh, and then, you know, Dominic Davis gets a couple carries <laughs> and runs for a touchdown. My, my other question is, will USC even run 25 times? Because USC could just say, screw it, we're going to a four wide receiver set. Like... Well, let, let's, let's, save, let's save this a little bit to talk okay. about there are, there, when we talk about Colorado still, because there's reasons to do that when we talk yes. about this Colorado defense. Yeah. But, but but first, let's discuss uh, let's all th- of the th- other injuries. Yes, yes. like you on USC's defense, yes. Christian Rector uh, might come back for Friday. I wouldn't hold my breath. He didn't practice on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, Pallier Naotayote is still in a boot, but Elijah Griffin, Greg Johnson, and... Josh Follow all practice on Monday, Tuesday. It looks like they're going to be back for the Trojans on uh, on Friday. Yeah, the one I'm really interested in is Josh Follow because uh, he's he's been practicing and he's been out for a while with that knee uh, injury. So he, that USC has given some snaps to Jude Wolf, but clearly they don't they're not super trusting of Jude Wolf, uh, at least not to the degree that they were of of Josh Follow. So. If he's ready to go, then that's a big boost for USC's uh, for USC's offense. But the defense, Elijah Griffin and uh, and Greg Johnson, looks like they'll be good to go, and looks like USC secondary will only be down Talanoa Hafanga, who will pretty easily well not easily, but you know USC already had to replace him against UW, so um, the secondary is a bit more straightforward this week than it was last week. But now you got the defensive line being a little bit more complicated with both starting ends being out. So that'll be uh, interesting with Caleb Tremblay and Hunter Eccles likely to start uh, in their place. See, here's my thought. Uh, Colorado is a game USC should win with backups. Uh, spoiler alert. We're going to talk about that game more later, obviously. But the the entire season's on the line next week against Oregon. The entire seat, literally everything, on the line against against Oregon. So... SC needs as many healthy dudes as possible. I think you make sure that Rector is okay for that game. Uh, hold him out against Colorado if you need to. Bring him back for Colorado. I mean, bring him back for Oregon. And then you hope that Drake Jackson can get back for Oregon as well. Uh, you want those two dudes back for that game. You don't necessarily need them this game because if you lose to Colorado even with your backups... Tarmac? <laughs> I don't know if it's a tarmac situation, but, but it's, it should be. it's it's certainly an indictment. But we'll 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 get to we'll get to that game uh, in a little bit. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break though, and come back to talk about this most recent game, USC and Arizona. The Trojans win forty-one to fourteen. We're gonna talk about our thoughts, looking back at the rewatch, and then uh, get into some over under. We'll be right back. All right, Alicia, let's get into the rewatch. You watched the game back again. I watched most of it back, not all of it. 
USC wins the game 41 to 14. It's a game that they opened up a 34 nothing lead uh, and then traded some garbage time uh, scores. Really a 27 nothing lead before garbage time. Uh, what was your thought in uh, giving it a rewatch? Uh, I think in general, USC uh, played pretty well. Uh, the defense obviously did exactly what they what you needed them to do. I think it was the best performance by USC's linebackers all season. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it was the best defensive performance of the season, that it coincided with both linebackers having outstanding man-of-the-match kind of games. Um, so that was very encouraging to see against a, an offense that we were certainly worried about exploiting this defense and exploiting those linebackers in particular. Um, and then over on the offensive side of the ball, I thought that USC's offense, I think they played better overall than I originally thought they did. Even though USC scored 41 points, it still felt like there was some, uh, you know, disconnect uh, with how the offense was running at, at the time. And on rewatch, I think what it came down to for me was USC has a true freshman quarterback. Now, all last year, we talked about how uh, JT Daniels and the true freshman quarterback and how much of a pass do you give USC for that. And this year already, we've talked about how much of a pass do you give for the backup quarterback and all that kind of stuff. And our, our discussions have been along the lines of... Um, the quarterback isn't the biggest problem for USC. They have other problems beside the quarterback. Even if you put Sam Darnold in here, USC would ha would still have big problems. I think this was the game where that's not the case. I think that USC was as good as the quarterback was throughout the game, and Keaton Slovis started very slow, and thus USC's offense started slow. But once he got going, then you saw the offense take over the way you needed to, and uh, that to me is very encouraging because I thought that Keaton looked like a true freshman at times, uh, looked a little rattled uh, at times. But once he calmed down, then you saw the offense took off, take off. And uh, when you're considering the youth of the quarterback, seeing him, this is something that Clay Helton even mentioned, seeing him play himself out of that little dip was uh, encouraging, to say the least. Yeah, see, I'm a little torn on it because on one hand, uh, yeah, you, you everything that you said, you want your quarterback to be able to work through, through it, and if he can work through it, then more power to him, uh, especially a true freshman like Keaton Slovis and, and, and all that. I, I agree. At the same point, this is a team that we talked about that was like, what, 128th in pass defense? Like, this should have been a team that shouldn't have required... Uh, you know, going four and out, uh, going three and out in the first four drives. Uh, and, and so I, I don't think that that it, it makes it difficult that way. Right. Like uh, right. if this it, like it would have been easier to to take the, to have that takeaway against a better defense in which he was challenged, struggled and bounced back. Oh, we saw that against Notre Dame. Right. Uh, he he was challenged in the first half. Uh, and he wasn't terrible in the first half, but you know he got better as the game went, and he was fantastic in the second half. So I wanted to see that carry over from the Notre Dame game to the Arizona game. Jump right in, have some have some confidence, and see where you go. And and that didn't happen. Well, uh, uh, this is something that I pointed out in my rewatch. Um, I think there was carryover from the Notre Dame game. I think that was the problem. I think that Keaton Slovis came into this game with his internal clock rolling at the speed that it had to be rolling against Notre Dame. And what did he do so okay. well on that last drive? He was getting pressured. He was moving around. He was taking off with his legs and he was making stuff happen happen in this game. 
uh, in the first four drives, I think a big part of the problem is he doesn't trust his pass protection and he runs into pressure. Uh, a lot of the time, actually, he creates pressure by bailing a pocket or by shifting in the pocket towards the towards the pressure. Um, there's a there's a, a play where Austin Jackson gets hit uh, for a holding penalty where he has to hold because Keaton forces him to essentially because Keaton runs into the pressure. And I, I think that to me was him not trusting his pass protection, not trusting the time that he was being given because his internal clock was still rolling uh, like the Notre Dame one. So uh, that's sort of what I mean when I talk about him starting out with a, with some struggles. I think that he was just a little bit jumpy, like he was acting like he was still going up against Notre Dame's defense when he was going up against Arizona's defense. And he really could have exploited them quite a bit more if he slowed down, calmed down and just made his made his throws. That's a good point. I, I will I will give you that because yeah, he did make it a little bit more difficult on on himself. The the to me the most egregious throw that he made uh, was the, the I want to say it was the third three and outs where uh, he throws the jump ball to Pittman in to, double coverage. To I think it was Tom and Ra. Was it um, Amon Ra down the it, left side? And it's that's, like that's the it's fourth a, three and out. Yeah, and it's like what are you doing there? You, yeah, you, you need you need you need to build some confidence if you're throwing underneath. Uh, th- three times in a row, and you pick up three yards each time. Whatever, build some confidence, right? Uh, that was a throw that he he could have he, he could have rethought. The worst part about that throw is it's on a third and four, right? So like yeah. you don't need exactly. the chunk. You're j- right. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, so that... it's a difficult throw. It's a low probability yeah. play. Uh, in a in an opportunity that you didn't have to make a big risk. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, there were other, there were other little hiccups that USC had. Tyler Vaughn's had a, a third down that he probably should have converted, but he, he took a step back and didn't just get across the line. Uh, Michael Pittman had a drop. Um, you know, the offensive line on a third and one got stuffed, uh, with Stephen Carr in there. Uh, I could certainly ask, you know, I think you disagree on this one, but I think Marquis Stepp should have been on the field. Uh, either way, the offensive line should be able to clear the yard that they needed for that, and they you're, didn't. You're talking, you're talking about the very first drive. The very first drive, yeah. Yeah. So, so like, here, here's my thing. The very first of all, we know that the offense, that the rotation for the running backs is by one drive, drive, one drive, by, yeah. by drive, or at least by half drive, because we've seen changes at the at the like, you know, when you when you get halfway get through gas. the drive, we, we've seen, yeah, we, we've seen the changes there. So, I don't think. Every third down, you need to stop no matter where you are in the field and go, okay, all right, we're bringing in Marquis Step. If the moment calls for it, absolutely. Yeah, he's the one who can give you that third and one. On the first drive of the game, on the third play, I like. I don't think you need to stop and go hyper-situational on third down and one. I think you should be able to get that no matter who your running back is, uh, whether it's Carr or whoever, and you don't necessarily have to just hand off up the middle. You can call whatever you want. It's the first drive of the game. Get in a rhythm, find a way to do it. You don't necessarily have to just all of a sudden go, you know, super Stanford-y uh, circa 2014 and just jam it down their throats on the first drive of the game. That's my thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. That's fair. I think you want your offensive line to be able to do that regardless of which back is in there. They're going to need to be able to do that with Keenan Kristen in there this week against Colorado. So obviously that's what it's going to come down to. But, you know, across the board, I thought that USC's offensive line in general was far more consistent in this game. Now. I think a big part of that is that Arizona's defensive line is not good. 
and it's easier to be consistent against a bad defensive front. But isn't it comforting that that SC took a poor defensive line and took it to him? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and and that's we didn't that's, see that against BYU. We did, absolutely didn't see that against BYU. Now, the 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 big question here is that Arizona chose not to do exactly what BYU and UW and Notre Dame did. Um, those teams bought in totally to the idea of dropping eight. And uh, Arizona really didn't, I mean, they, they did at times, but they, they were in a four-man front a lot of the time. So I'd be curious to see, maybe Arizona's not capable of it. I think that this is a big question that like Colorado's going to have to face too, is if your defense not that good, it doesn't really matter what formation you're in, you're going to get exploited. But it, I would I would be curious to see if Colorado does more like Arizona does and just does their own thing, or if they try to build that blueprint, I mean, go off that blueprint that BYU gave. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be a question that we're going to have to figure out uh, on Friday, the answer to. Uh, let's flip it around, talk about the other side of the ball, USC, shutting down Arizona uh, second straight year in which SC jumps out to a, really the third straight year, and that SC jumps out to a big lead uh, against the Wildcats. And it comes down to how well Clancy Pendergast has been at game planning. I, I put these stats on Twitter. Arizona's first eight offensive drives versus Clancy Pendergast defense each of the last three seasons. This is all Khalil Tate starting for, for Arizona this past season. The first eight drives, you know, three days ago, uh, Arizona averaged 3.03 yards per play, no touchdowns. Last year, 4.3 yards per play, no touchdowns. Uh, in 2017, 3.37 yards per play, no touchdowns. Those are only on the first eight drives. What does that tell you? It tells you the SC game plans for Khalil Tate really, 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 really well. And part of that is because... You blitz all night! Yes, that was the game plan for Clancy <laughs> Pendergast. Uh, we saw it over and over and over again. Uh, Khalil Tate got sacked six times in this game. Or was it seven? I don't even remember. But so much seven. of that was they forced him into poor decisions. And I think Khalil Tate not only proved that he is more than willing to make poor decisions. I mean, he took sacks just by running out of bounds, which were just the ultimate poor decision as a quarterback. Throw the ball away. Um, but then... It, to, the, my big question, and I put this on Twitter, like, why does it take Khalil Tate to get this kind of defensive um, game plan and production out of USC's front seven? Like, like, why don't you see this against Tyler Huntley? Why don't you see it against insert quarterback here, right? Because they're going to have to do this against Justin Herbert. They're going to have to do it against Jaden Daniels. They're going to have to do it against Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Those guys are still on the schedule. Those are guys who can beat you with their legs if if you need them if they need to. Like, why does it only happen against Khalil Tate every year? Like, is Khalil Tate like is he considered so dangerous? Is he considered like he is the ultimate you know boogeyman in terms of how fast he can be? That 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 requires a, a different game plan than everybody else. I I don't understand. Well, one part of it is that Arizona hasn't had a good offensive line. And uh, it's not that USC hasn't been blitzing dudes. They've just been blitzing dudes and still not getting pressure on the quarterback at times, uh, or at least very inconsistently. So that's been part of the problem for this whole season. Um, but also, I think that, that USC does take Khalil Tate's 
skill set so seriously that they emphasize all of these things over and over and over again. Chad Kahaha was talking after the game that they took 10 minutes out of the individual section of practice to focus specifically on tackling, which is something that I think USC fans would want to hear every week. But that was something that they've specifically focused on all week was the idea that this quarterback can run and kill us. And so we need to have athletes out on the out on the edge and they need to pursue well and they need to tackle well and all of those emphasis. Well, I think you're right. Why weren't you emphasizing those things before you played Jorge Reyna? I know that we were all caught off guard by Jorge Reyna, but it's not like you still couldn't have emphasized those things earlier in the season or Tyler Huntley or or uh, Zach Wilson certainly gave you reason to to right. think about these things. Um, but is, but is, is part of it that they don't trust uh, Khalil Tate as a passer? I think that might be part of it. I, I, mean, I think to to if, if that's the case, I mean. Khalil Tate showed that he was not a good passer in this game, but he had just thrown for 400 yards against Colorado a couple weeks before this. So yeah, but we're going to talk about Colorado's defense in a second, Michael. Touche, touche. No, I think I think that I think that is partly what it is. I think that you that Clancy Pendergast has decided that the only way Khalil Tate is going to beat him is if he uses his legs to do it, and so he sort of goes all out. Uh, to to uh, shut that side of the game down. And you and I have talked for years about how the one thing that Clancy Pendergast has always done really well is shut down the one thing that he's really worried about. And um, maybe you could be critical of him for not worrying more about the edge against everybody else. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, it, sometimes it also comes down to having the right the right guys out there on the field and one thing that I am curious of is what would this game have looked like with Pali and Aoteote out there? And I love EA. Like, I really am excited about his skill set. But I think there was something to the idea of Kanai Malga playing a little bit more of a keeping things in front of him, doing his job, not messing around, flying around, missing tackles. That helped USC out a lot in, in this game. And also, I mean... John Houston's skill set is literally built to deal with this Arizona, uh, this Arizona offense. Like John Houston is not the kind of defender who will thrive against a Notre Dame, but you put him against Arizona's kind of speedy, uh, speedy players, and that—that that, I mean, that's 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 his. This is entire his entire skill set. Yeah, and it, and it worked out. It worked out for USC. Uh, John Houston had a good game. USC's defense surely had a good game, and Khalil Tate did not. Uh, he did not only did not look good, but SC also made sure that he did not look good uh, as well. So SC gets the win, forty-one fourteen. Uh, we we talked about Keenan Kristen a bunch in the car cast, and uh, and and a little bit a little while ago, he was the the breakout player for USC on offense. So uh, that is something to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, let's get into the over under. Uh, from this past week's game. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia. We came in and I had a one game lead. Had. Shut up. <laughs> uh, you. We, we did a bunch of over-unders. We did six that we always do. Three each. And then we got uh, five suggestions from the Rotbots to make it 11. They're 11 over-unders. First one, you said 43.5% on third down for USC. 
because the Trojans had averaged 41% and Arizona was given up just over 43%. 43.5 was the over-under. You said over. I said over. It was over. SC was at 46.67. And that's despite them failing to convert their first four third downs. Yeah. So pretty good night for USC in, in that regard after those first four drives. Right. After after the first four. Uh, really, if you, you take out the, the, the three and outs to start, uh, SC got so much better on offense. But those three and outs existed. And that was the defense yeah. that was so terrible at forcing three and outs. You never should have been in that, in that place in the first place. Uh, next one. I said over under one and a half Arizona sacks. They only had five all season coming into this game. You took the under. I took the under. It was two. The second one came late in the game to give them the over. Yeah. And again, I think that uh, Keaton should have done a better job of avoiding both of those sacks. Those weren't like a man comes in untouched and uh, and blows him up kind of situations. That was a uh, he either bailed a pocket too early or ran into the pressure. Uh, so he, I think he played a pretty mistake-free game in terms of protecting the ball. But that's the next step that he needs to he needs to sort of settle settle in, and uh, and learn how to avoid those those plays, and help us win over unders. I know because we we need more over under wins. I'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next one, you said over under sixty two point five percent of a red zone TD rate for USC. Uh, they had been averaging 56.52%, which is 87th in the country. You said under, I said over, it was under 50%. USC was three of six on touchdowns inside the red zone. Which is not going to cut it. If you have a, a complaint about USC's offense in this game and all season, the red zone touchdown percentage is very bad. And against a, a defense like Arizona's, you needed to punish them a couple more times. Could have easily scored 50 points in this game. Yeah, the good news is Chase McGrath is really good as a as a Very place good. kicker, but you 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 still need you need the four more points that that you get when you score a touchdown on a field goal. Uh, next one, I said over under four and a half Arizona tackles for loss because they were 118th nationally in tackles for loss. You took the under, I took the over. I thought that they would get more. No, they they only had three in this game. Yeah, USC's offensive line did a better job, certainly in the run game, uh, of uh, of not letting letting uh, penetration through. So that was good. Yeah, the Trojans are usually good about that with penetration. <laughs> Let's get to the next one. Over under 0.5 plus 0.5 of a turnover margin for USC because the Trojans had not won the turnover battle in 17 games. You said over. I said under. The over means that they would win the turnover battle for the first time in forever. They did. SC got the turnover battle win with a plus two. Yep. Three takeaways and uh, one giveaway. That was the, the fumble by the by Quincy Junty. Quincy Junty. But they immediately got that back with the Kanai Malga interception. Yep. 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 So. Yep. Another win for you. Great. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, over under 45% on third down conversions for Arizona, I said. Uh, Arizona's 11th nationally on third downs at 49.5 coming in. They were really good, but SC had held teams to under that and over that. Uh, so 45% was the over-under. You said under, I said over. It was 31.25. Arizona was just 5 of 16 on third down. USC's defense, for as bad as they feel like they are on third down, they're actually pretty decent on third down. So, yeah, weird. 
All right, so let's do the math here. Uh, on the the true six yep. over-unders, you went five of six. Yeah. Five and one. Yep. And we don't need to talk about how I did. <laughs> you are lucky that the Robot sent in uh, over-unders this week. That's all I got to say. Mm-hmm. I went one and five, which means you picked up four games on just, just ours. Uh, anyways, let's talk about the extra over-unders from the Robots. These are much better, I'll tell you. Uh, over under 75 rushing yards for Khalil Tate. This comes from J.M. Teo. You said under. I said under. It was way under. Negative 27. I certainly didn't think it would be negative. But it was. It, it was. was. Negative's good? Oh, oh you so good. How stupid of me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, negative's good. Negative's good. Uh, <laughs> next one, Top Trojan fan said over under 64 and a half. I have a completion percentage for Khalil Tate. You said over. I said under. It was under 60%. I got that right. Why did I say over? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what my thinking was. I don't know, but it was great thinking. That's all I know. Uh, Top Trojan you know also was? said- I, I thought that he'd complete a lot of passes underneath because USC was playing so many uh, inexperienced uh, DBs. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Top Trojan fan's next one was over under- uh, five yards per carry for Khalil Tate. You said over. Again, it was under. It was negative three yards per carry, uh, which gives me the point there. Yeah, he he. I thought that he was going to get the positive yards per carry because he was going to break off a couple big runs. And even that would make up for a couple sacks. He just didn't break off even small runs. So, no. yeah. Mm-mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Uh, next one comes from David Orange County and Samuel and uh, South Carolina over under one and a half touches for Keenan Kristen. Uh, this was way over because he got in the game and had eight <laughs> for 103 yards. We both said over, so we both got that one. Yeah, I thought he'd just get some garbage time touches. He got way more than that. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, last one over under 12 and a half touches for Marquis Step from Top Trojan Fan. Just barely. 13 carries for Marquis Step. You said over, I said over, we both get it. If he had been healthy, he would have gotten close to 20. So He probably would have, yeah. I I, yeah. I agree with that. Because I think if he's healthy, does Keenan Kristen even come in? I don't think so. Well, uh, uh, Keenan Kristen, hmm. You know what? Mike I don't Jinks, think so. To be fair, Mike Jinks said that the game that they had circled for Keenan Kristen before the season was Arizona, mm. which I thought was interesting. Okay. But I don't know that he comes in necessarily. Well, because if you get to garbage time, do you just play Quincy Junty? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's what you do. Yeah. Uh, either way, for the week, you went eight and three. I went six and five. I went a perfect five and oh on the uh, the extra over-unders from our robots. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you struggled with those, so I made up some ground. Uh, but you got a two-game uh, head start on me here. Uh, this week, you picked up two games, which gives you a one-game lead. You're now at 29 and 22. I'm at 28 and 22. You're at, sorry, 29 and 21, and I'm at 28 and 22. Yeah. Uh, neck and neck, uh, you can thank the Robots for that. And I do. I am very thankful. Uh, game <laughs> predictions. Bill Connolly said USC by 9.4 with a 71% win probability uh, of a score of 40 to 30. Vegas said USC by 9.5. You said USC 43. Arizona 35. I said USC 45, Arizona 31. 
were all wrong because USC was in that ballpark and Arizona was not held to 14 points. Yeah, I just I just don't think anyone saw USC's defensive performance coming. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, let's get into the pickums. Uh, this past week was not good for you. Not really good for me either. You went 10 and 14. I went 13 and 10. Warhop away and Tantar and Tantar. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Dominated this week by going 18 and six uh, for the season. You are tied for 55th at 90 and 83. I am tied for 24th in our Pick'em League at 104 and 69. Very nice. Uh, with the leaders to date, now with a two-game lead is in Tantar, 117 and 56 is his or her record. Uh, and then there's a tie for second place between Warhop Way and Air Rain for the win at 115 and 58. And Kangaroo 30 is fourth at 113 and 60. Yeah, they're doing a lot better than us. Yeah. I'm 13 yeah. games back, and you are <laughs> a lot 20, 27 <laughs> games back. Yeah. I would blame yeah. it on that week that I missed, but <laughs> I don't think that that week would make up the difference. I don't think I was going to go undefeated in that week. Mm-mm, don't think so. I will take a quick break, come back, and talk about USC in Colorado, Lock and Horns, Friday night, ESPN2. We'll be right back. All right, Alicia, let's talk about USC and Colorado. The Trojans have never lost to the Colorado Buffaloes, ever, ever. But the Trojans are meeting them uh, on Friday night, ESPN2, 6 p.m. Pacific. It is going to be 7 p.m. Mountain Time. We're going to be there, and we are going to, let's talk about our week really quick, or really our day and a half. Uh, We are putting together a... An itinerary for the ages, which is really stupid of us, but here we go. We land in Denver at 10 a.m. The game is at 7 p.m. We fly home at 6 a.m. and we're just pulling an all-nighter. No hotel. Yeah, we're dumb. Mm-hmm. For, for, I can say this. I can say this because uh, particularly... Uh, highlighted by the fact that USC played Arizona at a 6.30 kickoff. And we got back to the studio at, uh, what, 1 o'clock? And Something like that. Recorded a car cast, and I think I got to bed at, like, 3. And then I woke up at 7 to go to a Liverpool game in the morning. So I got four hours of sleep. And Sunday was lost. I got home. I was dead. I was, I could, I just like, I was messed up. And that's with sleep. So I, <laughs> we're dumb. What are we doing? I but by am the way, particularly dumb because you are, you can pull an all nighter. Like you, you have experience pulling all nighters. Like I never pull all nighters ever. Like I don't know why I agreed to this. This is very dumb of me. I know. I, it's it'll be fun. You know what I mean? You know it's gonna be? It's gonna be like our own version of the amazing race. We just need a camera person to come with us. Yeah, there you go. You know they have a camera a cameraman and a lawyer with them at all times? No way. Yes, and the lawyer is there to enforce the rules. Oh, okay. Do yeah, we need because, a lawyer? Because I don't know, maybe. Uh <laughs> well I hope not. I hope we're not in need of a lawyer at any time. That'd be that not, would not be good. Uh, let's, let's let's talk about this game. 
uh, USC going to play the three and four Colorado Buffaloes, who rank 72nd in SP+. Uh, the Trojans beat them 31-20 last year at the Coliseum. Again, they've never, ever lost to Colorado in the history of the earth. And I don't know that they're going to lose this week, uh, but it's a Friday night game. Weird things happen on Friday nights. And this is a weird-ass freaking team, these Colorado Buffaloes. Coached by Mel Tucker in his first year, uh, he's been an NFL defensive coordinator. He was at Alabama, Georgia. He's bounced around. Uh, he's someone who has a lot of clout, really good hire for Colorado. Uh, I don't think anyone expected anything in year one. But lo and behold, they bounced out to a 3-2 and two start uh, with their only, really, they were 3-1, and one, uh, and then they lost to Arizona. But they've lost three straight games in the weirdest of ways. Uh, in, they had a plus eight turnover margin in their first five games. And they went 4-0-1 in the turnover battle in those, in those five games. Never lost the turnover battle. They, were, they had a 3-2 and two record with an overtime loss to, to Air Force and a five-point loss to Arizona that was decided with seven minutes left in the game. Every, everything was close, but they were winning games. But they've gotten outscored 86-10 to 10 in the last two weeks with a collective turnover margin in the last two weeks of negative six. I like I don't know what happened. Uh like you look at Steven Montez's numbers. His passer rating in the first five games, 153.35. The last two weeks, 70.06. What the hell happened? I mean, I would say they finally played a couple good teams, except that like they beat Arizona State. <laughs> so they, they uh, Yeah, they, they beat Arizona State. I, I mean, ASU, Nebraska, Air Force, all those teams feel like they're on about the same level, right? But and I understand getting teams. blown out by Oregon. I don't understand getting blown out by Washington State. Yeah. Uh, well, Steven Montez, uh, he was my quarterback in fantasy that week. And uh, yeah. Not good. Yeah, that was not good. Not no. good. I still won my matchup, thankfully. Six uh, six picks the last two weeks. Yeah, not not good. Um, and that's really Colorado's problem, right? Going into the season, we said, uh, you know, everyone's riding off Colorado, but they've got Steven Montez, who's a, you know, a veteran quarterback. They've got LaVisca Chenault, who's mm-hmm. one of the best receivers in the country. They've got Mustafa Johnson on, on defense, who's uh, one of the better defensive linemen in the Pac-12. And yep. Nate Landman is a legit linebacker. Yeah. So all, all, th- the- all three of those, those last three, Chenault, Mustafa Johnson, and Nate Landman, all had preseason All-American honors. So Yes. So like we, we talked about that like if there was a three on three game, if, yeah. <laughs> if football was three on three, Colorado might have the best team in the country in in, in the in the conference in, because yeah. they're they're top heavy in talent, right? Yes. So our the story on Colorado was going to be if those guys could make things happen, then you could sort of overlook some of the other weaknesses on the team. And I think that that's what happened in the first few weeks of the, the first month of the season. Steven Montez was playing well. Uh, Luis Chenault's been in and out with injury, but, uh, you know, they've been getting what they needed uh, from the individual like Steven Montez. And as soon as Steven Montez's level drops, it's all out the window. Like, because, for instance, the defense has been very consistent. <laughs> Let's run down this defensive scoring line, shall we? 31 points, 31 points, 30 points, 31 points, 35 points, 45 points, 41 points. So, like, the defense has not kept anybody below 30 points this whole season. Can, can I just rattle off some rankings? Do it. 
the defense is 100th in sacks, 104th in sack rate, 124th in third down defense, 126th in opportunity rate, 129th in passing yards allowed, and 130th in tackles for loss. A reminder to the listeners, there are 130 teams in in FBS. So those are all very bad numbers. Very bad. Uh, But so, so the defense has been consistent. What made Colorado competitive in the first month of the season Let's say the first uh, five games of the of the season because they the lose offense. close to Arizona. They score 30 points. They, they they score 52, 34, 23, 34, 30. And the difference in, in the last two weeks has been that they score three and 10. And a lot of that has to do with Steven Montez having a drop off. And a lot of that has to do with Oregon having a legitimate defense that shut him down. And Washington State, their their defense is hard. Hard to figure out, but like occasionally that defense is quite good. Um, so or quite effective. So I think that's really what it comes down to is is Steven Montez and uh LaVisca Chenault not being at one hundred percent health wise certainly doesn't help, but uh Steven Montez gonna Steven Montez. Which brings us back to the whole point of like how USC addressed the uh task of of defending Khalil Tate, right? On Tuesday, I got a chance to talk to the the, the defensive players, and uh, you know, talking to Hunter Eccles, you know, so he, somebody asked him about defending Khalil Tate and how do you apply that later this season, and and he pointed out like Stephen Montez is a guy who can scramble and extend a play, and so they have right. to use everything that they, year. yeah, exactly. So you have to use everything that you that you applied to stop Khalil Tate, and by extension, Grant Canell. Who Greg Canell did a better job against USC late in that game, um, but really the only difference between Ganell and and Tate was that Ganell just threw the ball away to avoid a couple sacks. But it's not like Ganell led the the Arizona D- offense on some giant surge or whatever. The they Arizona didn't score a touchdown until USC put in the the uh, the garbage time scrubs, you know, and so. USC did a good job against Grant Cannell, who is a little bit more like Steven Montez than Khalil Tate is with that defense. So USC just needs to apply that defense again. Get in Steven Montez's face and make it difficult you for him. You blitz all night! Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing is that this is going to come up in our in our over-unders, but Colorado hasn't given up a lot of sacks this year. So like, It's the one thing they're really good at. Yeah. So like, I'm trying... I wish I had been able to watch that Washington State game... Because I want to know what bamboozled Steven Montez. Because it wasn't being sacked. Unless maybe it was just a bunch of pressures. Well, they did. They, they sacked him twice. But but yeah, it's not like okay. they got after him a million times. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, on one hand, I'm going to say, and brace yourselves for this, there is no football reason the USC should lose this game. Uh, I'm going to slightly disagree. I agree while slightly disagreeing. Okay. I agree that there's no football reason for USC to lose the game. They are 111th in SP+. Plus. Except. They are 129th in pass defense. The passer rating against is 158. Oh, sorry, 155.81. I take it back. I take it back. You're right. There is no football reason. There is no football reason. You know why? Because this is the same equation as we went into with the Arizona game. It was USC's offense should hammer these guys, but it could get interesting if Arizona's offense takes advantage of USC's uh, injury hit defense. Well, USC goes yes. into Colorado and it's the same story. 
USC's offense should take anything that happens to the defense out of the equation. That's that, that that's the the ultimate point is that whatever goes on and and USC's defense has proven to be resilient uh the, when the injuries have struck that the next man up mentality has absolutely been in place for this team. So I am perfectly comfortable with the idea that Caleb Tremblay and Hunter Eccles are going to do their job just like all of the other guys that are out there are going to do their job. So like the injury thing doesn't even like I was prepared to make the argument that the injury thing is the football reason for USC to lose, but we just saw why that's not a football reason. Like the only the only reason for USC to lose is because USC loses road games. And that's not a football reason. That's just. So a reason. Uh, the reason for USC to lose this game are it's a short week. Yes. On the road. Yes. We're going to be there out of state. That is the number one reason to lose this game. <laughs> Rot trips are undefeated. Yeah. It, it, it's a it's a midweek game. Um, it, th- those are all the and, you know, Colorado's due, I guess you could say uh, they're, they're due to bounce back or whatever. But all of those none of those things are football reasons and the football reasons here is that SC should have the ability to score 40-plus points in this game, just like we talked about with Arizona. And if Colorado's offense comes to, comes to play, they'll score 30 at least and keep it a game. If Colorado's offense looks as bad as it did in the last couple of weeks, then SC's going to have no problem with this game. They should not have any issues even with backups. Or, or Colorado's offense makes it competitive Yes, uh, if, if they come to play. But... but but the, their defense is so bad that USC should not need uh, to outscore them because they should just automatically outscore them. Well, the, the, okay, so the worst case scenario for USC in this game should be USC's defense being what they are, reverting back to the mean, which is the 20 to 30 point defense. Right. So but, if they and if give that up happens, 30 points. Colorado's defense is so bad that USC should still have no problem of covering that. Absolutely. 1,000%. Yes. The, the the score predictions that you and I gave for um the uh the Arizona game should apply to this game in in the spirit of Arizona's gonna score thirty some odd points and USC should put up forty anyways. And that's ultimately what what it comes down to. It's this is where I I keep coming back to it's put up or shut up time for now. Put up or shut up time for USC's offense. USC's offense, this air raid is supposed to put up 45 points a game. These are the two games that you should be putting up 45 points a game. In fact, you should be putting up 55 points in these games. By the way, just the, to prove you can do it. The the other non-football reason, uh, this is a textbook trap game. Look ahead to Oregon. Yeah. So yep. that, that's the that's the other reason. So it feels a lot like BYU in that sense to me. Like there was no again, there was no football reason to lose to well, BYU except for if you talk about all the intangibles going on the road. It was the Utah road. the next week on a short week and all that stuff. Like all that in your head, uh, you add in all that stuff applies here too. So, hmm, hmm, hmm. I, I shouldn't I, again. The no good, football see, reasons. The good thing, the good thing, arguably for USC is that. The reasons to overlook this game, as opposed to BYU, are lessened because USC has so many guys injured, because it's a short week. Right. Because they're going to be hyper aware of of you the danger think. that they're in. You would you think. You would think. You would think. And the other thing is, I think that 
you know, SC might end up being really one-dimensional in this game because Keenan Kristen, if he's the, the featured back, yeah, how much are you going to use him? And are you going to go to a lot of four-wide sets? Uh, or do you go to four-wide and then put Eric Kerman hook in the backfield sometimes? Maybe you do that. That would be an interesting little wrinkle, right? Uh, yeah. Do they do they use Bayless Jones in the backfield? Uh, and then, like we've seen before, and then bring him out of the backfield as a receiver. Do you do that with Dominic Davis? Maybe that's a little wrinkle, right? Like these, like these things that they could do uh, to make it to add a little diversity in the game. I think would be really interesting offensively. But they they might end up throwing the ball a lot in this game, and that just plays right in to what Colorado does not do well, which is defend the pass. <laughs> they can't do it. And again, like Arizona couldn't do it either, and and SC started with four straight three and outs. So, well, this is the big this is the big test for Keaton Slovis, right? You can write off the BYU game as freshman jitters, uh, first road game, not seeing the field well, throwing interceptions. He proved against Notre Dame that he could correct those problems. Uh, He proved against Arizona he could continue to not throw interceptions, even if he needs to trust his uh his offensive line a, a tiny bit right. more or get a sense of the game. So now the next step forward is this is this road trip. I mean, we said in the first five, six games of the season we said it was weird the way that they were like a staircase where you pre- kept adding a little bit more a uh, set of difficulty. Well, this these this two games is kind of like okay, USC proved they could beat a bad team. Now do it on the road. Yeah. And the other stat I wanted to pull up here is talking about Nate Landman, someone, again, who had preseason All-American honors at linebacker, inside linebacker for Colorado. Last year, he had 15 tackles for loss. This year, he's second in the Pac-12 in tackles. So it's not like he's not making tackles. Only three are for loss. What does that tell you? Tells you that plays are happening so far further downfield than they were last year. Yeah. They're they're not he's not getting in the backfield he's not getting up along the line of scrimmage because plays are are gaining yards and you know again <laughs> this defense 128th in yards per play allowed if you cannot move the ball on this defense pack it up there's no there's I mean, there's, there's there's no excuse no excuse yeah even without Stephen Carr and without Vi Malapai and without mm-hmm. Marquis Step. They should be able to move the ball. That's that's the that's the simple way of putting it, putting it. Especially when you have that much talent at wide receiver. Even if you go one dimensional this game, they should be able to move the ball. That simple. Let's take a quick break. Come right back. Do the over unders and then get into the mailbag after that. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia, you have 29 over under wins. I have 28. A one game lead on me. So I need to get some wins here. Uh, what is your first over under for this week? Bringing back another one from last week. Uh, that's plus 0.5 USC's turnover margin in this game. Can they make it two? Can they make it two games in a row in which they win the turnover battle? I was going to say yes, because of all those reasons to talk about with Colorado. Last two games, a combined turnover margin of negative six. I believe it was negative four at, at Oregon and negative two last week at Washington State. 
But I can see a way in which SC forces a couple of turnovers, but also has a couple of themselves. So I think it ends up nil, which would be under. Give me the under. All righty. I'm taking the over on this one. I uh, I think that USC has a couple guys out there now who have shown capable of making the impact plays. They're going to have their corners back. Steven Montez right now is a turnover machine. And uh, Keaton Slovis is not. Keaton Slovis is somebody who is taking care of the football. So I'm going to bang on that one and go over. All right. I'm going to just put this out there. If SC wins the turnover margin, it is 100% guaranteed they win the game. 1,000%, yes. Yes. All right. Glad to agree. Uh, next one, mine over under 10.5 Nate Landman tackles. Uh, he's averaging 10.57 per game. He's eighth nationally. Second in the Pac-12. He had 14 at Oregon, but only seven last week at Washington State. Nate Landman tackles. Ten and a half. Uh, over, under. Oof. My instinct was to go over right away. Because I think that there's a possibility of there being a lot of plays in this game from USC. Sure. At the same time, are those plays going to go Nate Landman's way? Because I don't know that USC is going to run the ball that often. Hmm. And, like, he wouldn't be the one making the tackles on the outside if USC's going to Pittman and Vaughn's. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going over. I'm going over. Thank you, because I'm going under for that that same reason. You made the argument for me. You only had seven (laughs) at Washington State. Washington State threw the ball all around. Yeah, that was was my thought, but I still, I don't know. Yeah, going under. What's what's your next one? All right, this one is 2.5. That's sacks for USC. Colorado has only allowed nine sacks all season, as we mentioned earlier. This is the one thing that they do well. They don't give a lot of sacks. USC is missing their uh, two starting defensive ends in this game. So are, is USC going to be able to put up uh, some sack numbers, which they, in the first three games of the season, they had three each. Uh, the only game where they haven't had more than two was against uh, against Notre Dame. So 2.5. I was thinking to say over because Clancy might end up having to dial up more blitzes to get pressure uh, rather than just trusting Rector and Drake Jackson to win some battles there. Um, but Oregon is really good at, at getting sacks. One of the best in the in, in the, the conference at getting to the quarterback. They only had two against uh, against the Buffaloes. And then the Buffs only gave up two last week to Washington State. They've only given up nine all season. Give me the under. Wow, buddy, we are uh, we're we're separating here. This is gonna Ooh. be a big week. Separation big Saturday. Week. Oh, Friday. Separation Saturday. Wait, no, it's a, it's, it's, a, a, it's a F Friday. What's a, no, separation Friday? That doesn't have as nice of a ring needs, to it. Do you not listen to the solid verbal? It's gonna have some uh, alliteration. Yeah. So what's the, what's the equivalent of separation Saturday for the uh, Friday? Uh, fractured Friday. Fractured Friday. I like it. I there like it. Okay. All right. I'm going over on this. I think that USC is going to dial up a lot of blitzes. I think USC is going to get creative with their blitzes, sending uh, defensive backs and linebackers and all sorts of things. Uh, so I think that USC will get three sacks. All right. Moving over to the next one. I say over under 49.5% on third down for USC. Uh, Colorado's defense is allowing, brace yourself, Colorado's defense is giving up third down conversions 
on 53.9% of third downs in conference play. That's not including like playing Northern Colorado or whatever in yeah, conference that, play. That's uh, that's <laughs> that's uh, that's that's real bad. Real bad. USC is averaging forty four point seven. They had forty six point seven against Arizona. Can they get up to forty nine and a half? Oh, that's okay. So I would be tempted to take the over on this, except that USC is inconsistent, and they have random reasons for not converting third downs. For long first stretches. So there might be a stretch in this game where they go 0-3 on third downs. And going up above 50% is asking a lot, even on, even on a good day on third downs. So I'm going to go under. Over. Ooh. It was oh, tough a, because Oregon went, week, five, Michael. Oregon went 5 of 11, which is under. But everyone else they've played since mid-September has been way over that, so I'm taking the over. Oof. Oof. Danger. I know. I know. It, it is that, all I need to get is 50%. 50% pays out that over, so 50% yeah. uh, and, and they get it. Uh, next one, what's, what's your over-under? All right. Keeping it simple. 39.5 points for USC. As I mentioned before, Colorado's defense is not good. Uh, they're averaging 34.9 points given up this season. No team has scored less than 30 on them. USC has scored 40 twice this season, but they're only averaging 30.7 points per game. So can USC get up above 40 points again in this game and put the Buffaloes away? This is a should versus will for me. Should? Yes. Will they? No, I'm taking the under. I think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. I'm taking the over, dude. I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. Yeah, I, I think USC, there is no excuse for USC to not score 45 points. I agree with you. I Trust me, I I agree with agree your with will and should sort of comparison. It's, it's difficult, but at the same time, there is no football reason. I agree. And I'm I, jinxing it, I know. <laughs> uh, last one. A one... A, a, an over-under near and dear to the hearts of all the Rotbots out there. Over-under, 0.5. Dominic Davis touches. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. I... Uh... I don't... Oh, okay. I have to go with the logical side of my brain. He just transferred over to running back. He doesn't have Mike Jinks trust yet. Short of an injury to Keenan to Keenan Kristen and Quincy Junty, Dominic Davis will not have a touch in this game. Over. Oh, are we straight through disagreements? We are completely disagreed. Wow. On all this stuff. We disagree. Alicia. Dominic Davis is going to touch the football on Friday night. Are you excited? Oh, I'm excited, yeah. It'll be great. Yeah. It'll be I, long overdue. Long overdue for him to touch the football. You you know what? Even if I hadn't already picked the under, I would pick the under just to guarantee that if he gets a touch, you get the double win. That's that's the, the, like, the right way to do it. Yeah. Because you've, you've, been, you've been pushing it for a while now. 
and uh, you st- you stayed true to your dude. By the Double way, how, how many career touches do you think Double D has? Career touches. Yes, career touches. Uh, he had a few carries as a freshman. So, let's say 15? 48. 48? Jeez. He had 21 as a true freshman, 14 carries, 7 catches. In 2016... Uh, okay. He had uh, 27, 23 carries, four catches. I think I can remember exactly one Dominic Davis touch. Would that be this one? Dom Davis down the sideline. It would be. It would. By the way, be. that was like yes. 83 yards, and yeah. uh, he had 132 rushing yards in 2016, which means he had 22 carries for like. 50 yards. Not, yeah. 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 But he's due. It means uh, he, he's due. He didn't, he didn't score the touchdown on that either, did he? No, he, he did not. He got out like <laughs> in the three-yard line. Yeah. And m- the saddest moment of my life, I didn't even see it. I know. It's the so, universe. I was in the press box there in Tucson. At, at the five-minute mark, everyone gets up and goes down to the, the field. It was garbage time. Didn't think anything of it. So me and Paolo Ugetti went and got in the, the, the elevator and took the elevator down and we missed the play. Didn't see Man, it. you got to keep your eyes peeled in Colorado. Like, oh, they're, just they're, not, they're, they're peel, peeled, baby. They're, they're peeled. No, number 16 watch is on. Uh, let's get into game predictions. Uh, Bill Connolly's numbers have not been uh, released yet because we're recording early in the week. Vegas has USC by 12 and a half points. Alicia, what is your prediction? I'm going USC 44, Colorado 22. 44 to 22? 44 to 22. Okay, explain that one to me. Uh, I think USC will score 44 points, and I think Colorado will score 22 points. <laughs> uh, no, but 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 really, I think that I think that USC will put up 40 some odd points, and I think that USC's defense. We'll probably revert to the mean, which is being what they are, 22 point. They're, they're going to, I think Steven Montez uh, is going to ha- produce a few plays in this game and Colorado will score a couple touchdowns in real game time uh, and uh, and USC will have to pull away. Do you know the last time USC gave up 22 points? Uh, I do not. <laughs> I do not. That's your forte. Uh, it's when your alma mater scored 22 points in 2012. Oh. 20, 22 to 13. I don't think I would have guessed that that was the final score of that game. That's an ugly score. 22 to 13. I don't remember quite that. I I, yeah. I think if you would have asked me what that score was, I thought I would have probably said 23 to 13. That's right, because USC was like almost in that game, but they were but actually they still... down two possessions for yes. the critical periods. They Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, my score is a familiar score. If you remember... What happened uh, last time that USC went to Colorado? They won 38-24. That's my pick, 38-24, which is why I took the under on the 39.5 points. Okay. I, I think SC absolutely should score more than 40, but it's a for all the reasons we talked about, about the non-football reasons, uh, it's a trap game, uh, it's on the road, uh, it's going to be cold, it's a Friday, it's weird, all that stuff. All those are the reasons for them not to score 40 for me. Well, and that's the thing is, I think that any objective person, not knowing exactly how it plays out, obviously, but 
think I think any objective USC fan should look at thirty eight twenty four and say, yeah, I'd take it. Right here, right now, I'd take it. Yeah, uh, barring any more injuries, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I This is a game where I mean this in all honesty. If you win, win by a point, who cares? Get out as injury-free as possible and just win it. Because the yeah. entire season, again, is on the line next week against the mm-hmm. Take a quick break. Talk about the mailbag up You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's go to an email we got from David. Hey, guys, such an ugly win over Arizona, but at least it's a win. Some takeaways from the game, though. Still wondering how the offense cannot get going early and consistently in the game. Even when Carr and Step were still in the game, the offense was struggling to get first downs. Slovis on a receiving core should be dominating. Maybe it was an off game, but they cannot expect to run the table with the type of performance that they had against Arizona. It was nice to see Keenan Kristen in the game, but I question why they had him up uh, running up the middle so much. Why not toss or have a screen play to get him out in space? As you saw, if he doesn't have a hole, he's not going anywhere. Lastly, sad to see all the injuries in the game, and it is a cause for concern in the next coming weeks. They cannot overlook Colorado in a short week, and you have to wonder how many guys will get healthy by the Oregon game. Nice to see a comfortable win at least. Uh, but I don't feel any better about this team, unfortunately. Your thoughts, David in San Diego. Yeah, I I, I think that um, when we're evaluating USC, we have to be honest about what this team is and isn't capable of. And I, like I, I don't think the Arizona game told us anything. I don't think it told us if USC can run the table. I don't think it told us that USC can't run the table. I don't, I, I just, I don't know what to think of, of, of what the big overarching picture of it was. So like, I don't know. I don't know. USC is who they are and uh, who they are is unpredictable uh, and consistently con- inconsistent and all of those kinds of things. Um, as for Kenny Kristen, I think that, um, we're on the record. At least I'm on the record. USC's outside run blocking is bad. Usually. <laughs> So, like, I'm not mad about them not getting Keenan Kristen going outside that much. Um, Keenan Kristen is a, a running back who's so fast he can make it through a hole quickly and get beyond defense that way. So, like, I don't think it's a they have to get him outside kind of situation. I think it's just that the offensive line needs to open up a hole. And I think that's the case for all of the running backs. They might get away with it a little bit more against with Marquis Step if they don't quite open up a hole because he'll, you know, bang one in. But even then, Marquis Step will get stopped for no gain here and there when when the offensive line doesn't doesn't give him some room to run. So I don't I I don't I'm not eager to see USC do a lot of outside running. Honestly, like Keenan Kristen might be the guy to do it, but I'm I, 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 it's not something that I necessarily want to see. I don't mind the inside running. I think the inside running across the board is more effective in the long run. I, I agree with you, but I still think they can find ways to get him in space. Uh, if it's not running, maybe throw in the football. Uh, th- throw him out on a little swing pass. Yes, that would be nice. Like we got a question last week. I can't remember if it was in our main show episode or the pregame Q&A. Why aren't they using Stephen Carr? more as a pass catcher rather than just being 
an outlet as a check down because it's all his, like he has like 14, 15 catches this year. I swear they're all check down passes. Mm-hmm. One shovel pass. That's it. Everything is yeah. just he, he just stands at the line of scrimmage off to the side. And if Keaton Slovis can't find anything, he just dumps it out to him, which is a good little outlet for him. But at the same point, there's a ways to 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 use those guys in the passing game a little bit more. So I'd like to see that. Not for Keenan Christian, then maybe for Dominic Davis, who is, you know, <laughs> wide receiver. Yeah, uh, no, I think that's uh, perfectly valid. And and I think it's something that I would like to... There, there are some things that we saw from USC in, in practice this offseason that we haven't seen them do in a game yet. And, like, I'm not talking trick plays. I'm just talking, like, basic, like, formations that we saw them do and and plays that we saw them run. Um, so I would like to see them do a little bit more of that. And that's one thing that maybe where this offense really does differentiate from like Mike Leach's air raid quite a bit is that Mike Leach's air raid has pass plays designed to get the ball to the quarter. I mean, to, to get the ball to the running back and Graham Harrell doesn't seem all that interested in that. Like the running back as a passing option really is the dump off option. If, if you go through your reads and no, nothing's there, dump it off to the running back and that can be effective. But when you have running backs like USC has, uh, yeah, try to get them the ball out in space. Um, use a screen. Do something like that. Yeah, I would love to see more screens, slip screens. Yeah, that's the, that's the best kind of screen. Uh, in something, a little bit more. I, I, I agree. Get Keenan Kristen in space. At the same point, if the line blocks the best when they're just going downhill straight forward, that's fine too. I, I think that, you know, you, you go back and watch Oregon. Uh, when they had Michael James and all those speedsters, they were still running inside zone. Well, Keenan Kristen's two touchdown runs come inside inside the tag. Yeah, and uh, Mike Jinks said, well, technically they they pulled Jalen McKenzie on. Well, Mike Jinks long one, but yeah. Mike Jinks was talking about like that play is a game that they is a play that they run with every single running back. So yeah. The the yeah. difference he has the ability to be in the tackles and he's not. Uh, Mike Jinks was talking about it. And I thought it was really interesting that Keenan Kristen is not a track guy in a as a um what's what's the as, in a derogative way. Pony? Yeah, he, he he's not a track guy in that in that he's just fast and can't do anything. He's willing to be physical if he needs to, which I think is a plus. Well, and that's something that USC has emphasized for all of the running backs. You know, Marquis Step is not just a power back. He has to be a complete running back to, to see time for USC. Keenan Kristen is going to be held to the same standards. Um, but th- this is something I talked about in my rewatch, too. The idea that uh, Keenan Kristen maybe suits the randomness of USC's offensive line, because it's not that USC's offensive line is bad. It's that they're inconsistent. So the the difference that Keenan Kristen makes is that if he gets that hole, he's so fast through it that he can break break one long uh, just because the one little hole was open. Well, USC's offensive line will open up those holes. They won't open them up every time. It's a you know flip of the coin. But if you're opening up the little hole and he's bursting through it for 70 yards one time out of every 10 plays, then you're still getting the 70-yard touchdown. So you can live with that. Are you saying that USC's offensive line is uh, House Stark Arian? <laughs> Maybe yes. <laughs> God's flipped the coins. Yep, you know. Yep. Uh, anyways, it's not uh, sustainable, but it can win you the game against Colorado at the very least. Uh, House Targaryen not sustainable. No, not sustainable at all. True story. 
Let's get a tweet from Ryan. Okay, this is the obligatory strength and conditioning question you get every year around this time. This was one of Helton's changes, but looks like the injury bug just keeps getting us. Is this something we are just cursed with? Uh, it's the ultimate chicken and egg. Um, I think that, you know, um, you look at strength, strength and conditioning. Injury prevention is not a science. It's it's just the kind of thing that you have to sort of cross your fingers and hope. I think there are things that you can do to mitigate sort of injury problems. Uh, but when it comes down to it, football is a violent game and guys get injured. And um, the thing we're always always asking is when USC gets a rash of the same kind of injuries, is that a thing? But, you know, for instance, sprained ankles are sprained ankles. Like, that just happens. Um, the dislocated shoulder thing, like, I don't think there's anything that you can do preventatively to, to keep these guys from getting dislocated shoulders. I think guys are just, like, preconditioned. Pre, Some guys just are shoulder guys. Some guys will always have a problem with their hamstrings. Some guys will always have a problem with their ankles. Some guys will always have a problem with their back, whatever it is. It's really hard to to predict uh this kind of thing happening. So I don't know. I I it's a it's a problem USC has had for years. It's a big 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 problem. I wish there was a solution to solve it. My suspicion for a long time has been that if USC tackled more in practice, they would be more conditioned to take hits. I, I don't know if that's like, that's a guess. I don't, I don't know that that's a guarantee. Um, I do know that if you look on any one of the injury sites that, that, that has the, the list of injuries across the, the country, Alabama has a lot of injuries this year. Ohio State has a lot of injuries this year. Um, there's, there's quite a few teams out there that have an injury list just as long as USC. And twice as many of uh, teams in the country don't give any inf- injury information. So I, I, I don't know. I, just, I don't know. I don't know. You can't blame, you, you, you can't blame Ivan Lewis. No, at this no, point, you, right? You, you can't blame Ivan Lewis. I, so, like, if Ivan Lewis was the problem, then that has been, that has been debunked at this point, right? Because Aaron Osmus has a different approach. And USC is still having the same injuries. Well, you can't blame Ivan Lewis for this season. No, but the, um, the point but, is, if Ivan Lewis was the if Ivan Lewis was USC's problem, then USC wouldn't be having this problem this year. I so, mean, I not necessarily like I don't I don't buy into the idea that this is all strength and conditioning. No, but that's but, my point. But, is, but but if it was, I don't. There's not to say that that if if and again, I do not believe this. I'm just saying this. Uh, if the argument is that this is all based on strength and conditioning, it's possible that Ivan Lewis's strength and conditioning could could have a different still be having an si- impact, like still being have like have a negative impact, just as Aaron Osmus. It's just in a different sort of way. But again, I I don't buy into that idea. It's not that it, that I don't think it's valid. It's just that I don't. It's not something we can measure. That's my problem. And so yeah, does the strength and conditioning matter for a couple of these injuries maybe i i don't know i'm i'm not a doctor um at this like I, I i don't know like you said it's a, it's a physical sport where anything can happen at any moment so it's it's i would feel better about these things if they were cold hard facts that's that's my issue 
And I don't like talking about injuries uh, in general. Not that I don't like talking about them, but like I don't like the narratives that come out of injuries when it's um, on one side you've got, oh, well, um, next man up and injuries are not an excuse. And on the other side, well, there were injuries. So like, how could this team have could have won or whatever? Like when the reality is somewhere in the middle, right? And then it's it's with the injury prevention. Well, this is must be has to be strength and conditioning. It's Aaron Osmus's fault. And then the the inverse is that oh, this is all luck. Like the the answer to all this is probably somewhere in the middle. But none of it has any sort of hard you know stats to measure any of these things. And I'm a facts person. Give me a stat to prove it. Give me a stat that backs this up. Give me some sort of definitive answer to any of this and we don't have that and what we end up doing here every single year is sc will have injuries and then it always comes well this is the strength and conditioning and blah, blah blah it might be it might not be i'm tired of talking about it because we can't definitively say if it is or not uh and and the thing is i remember having a lot of conversations about injuries during the Pete carroll era like, there was a lot of conversations about, was Howard Jones' field, the field, not good enough? Well, the guys I were getting you can make a really strong argument that, that the Coliseum turf is not good. Well, and this is maybe a thing, because the Coliseum turf is getting messed up every week with the, uh, with the Rams and, and USC playing. So, if we see an improvement next year, or the year after, then maybe that confirms that theory. But these are all theories at this point, so... It's. I think it's extremely hard to pin down. I think there isn't one reason. I think there are a lot of different reasons from players' susceptibility to injury to maybe the things that USC isn't doing in strength and conditioning to prevent specific injuries to the field to the not tackling and practice thing to all sorts of other things that could be doing it. But, but I don't know. I, I, just looking at the injuries that USC suffered, for instance, against Arizona, though, like... Manir McLean's knee, uh, that happens. That's hard to predict. Abdul Malik McLean's shoulder, that that happens as you're rolling out of bounds. Right. It's, like, it's like everyone's pulling a hammy. If no. everyone's pulling a hammy, I think it'd be easier to sit here and be like, oh, well, there's a there's a common denominator here. There's a here. common theme, yeah. Right. But like Marquis Step, you watch that play back, he just takes a hit to the lower body and his foot happens to catch under him. As he's as he's falling to the ground and it's it's an awkward little twist like Drake Jackson. It's an awkward little twist. I, I just uh, I don't I, I don't think there's any evidence to say any of this is based in deficiencies that USC is, is, is has when it comes to preventing the injuries. I just think football is violent. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from Samuel in South Carolina, who you might remember from last week. He sent us an email asking about his first trip out to the Coliseum. Let's go to the tape and see what he has to say. Hey, Michael and Alicia, this is Samuel from South Carolina. I just want to say that that was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Not because of the actual game itself, but because of where I was at. Being in the Coliseum for the first time was absolutely spectacular. It was breathtaking. I lost my voice within the first five minutes of the game. Um, it was absolutely incredible. Uh, thanks for uh, answering my questions with the email. Um, 
We had Santora's wings um, and lots of Mexican food. You're, you're absolutely right. There's very little good uh, Mexican food out in South Carolina. So we had a lot of it while we were in California. It was an absolutely incredible game. Um, I feel terrible for the players that got hurt, but man, I had a ton of fun. The band, the game, the players, watching Keenan Kristen break off for uh, his two touchdowns while on the stands was absolutely incredible. Just everything about that game was amazing. Anyway, fight on until next week. Thanks for calling, Sam. That, uh, that's I love hearing about people's experiences at the Coliseum because it's it for me it's magical. It's still magical uh, being there, even though I've I've now been there, you know more times than I can count and my my streak is tiny compared to <laughs> someone like you Michael but like being like that first moment where you get in there and you just sort of like get to see everything in its majesty and honestly I love I love the uh the renovation that USC's done so it, it's particularly beautiful to see the peristyle these days um but to get to watch USC win a football game in the Coliseum there's something special about that and uh, I, it's just super awesome. Uh, thank you for calling in and letting us know because uh, that just like it made me listening to you talk about your experience, like made me think back to like my first real experience in the Coliseum as a, as a fan. And just like that's that's super fun. Also, I'm really glad that you got some good Mexican because uh, got to get that got to get that good food out of here. One hundred percent. You have to. Uh, yeah. there's, that's the number one reason to go to California in my, in my mind. <laughs> Well, you maybe know, not number one. But who, it, who wants to go to a football game? You just got to go get some some uh, good beans and rice and yeah, can I get those free jewels? Absolutely, and some enchiladas. But yeah, thanks, Samuel, for giving us a call. Uh, it is awesome that you were able to uh, to enjoy your time. And uh, I always like when people call and or, or email and are like, "Hey, I'm going to the Coliseum for the first time. What do you recommend or whatever?" Uh, because not that I'm like want to give recommendations or anything, but it's then you but can you like live vicariously through them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, like I always think of uh, David Gilmore says that the, one of the saddest things that, that he thinks is that he can never put on headphones and listen to Dark Side of the Moon for the first time. And hmm. it's like, yeah, like that'd be cool if yeah, I could just think, go back about that. for the first time ever and walk into the Coliseum again. Yeah. So no, I could, but it is, I, could, it is, I could say again, like the people who built it couldn't say that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm sure the people who built it are dead, but well, <laughs> a long time ago. It, it's a very long time ago, but uh, but we still get to enjoy that be- beautiful, beautiful uh, coliseum. So you know, lives on. Yeah, with the uh, scantily clad peristyle. Scantily clad peristyle, looking. Looking very pretty, and they got a flyover too. It was a good, it was a really good flyover. It was, but I was so mad, I couldn't freaking. I wasn't see, ready I, for it. I was nearly putting my head out of, uh, out the uh, the window in the press box and couldn't see anything. The best part of that kind of flyover, do, did they did they announce what kind of F fifteens F fifteens? So I didn't. I was up high on the tunnel because I was trying to get the sort of like them walking out the tunnel kind of shot. And so I had actually, I was usually I'm out by the end zone, um, and to see the band and all that kind of stuff. But I was further back, so I was kind of cut off. And 
the national anthem started playing. I was like, oh, crap. Like, I didn't didn't even recognize it was happening. And so, like, the flyover happened without me realizing it was about to happen. And the best thing is the sound. Because it was like, you sort of start to hear people cheer. And you're like, what are they cheering? And then, just... And then you're like, dang! Especially when you're not ready for it. Because I wasn't... I didn't see the, the planes until they were directly overhead. And by then, you're just like getting the sound thrown in your, you know, all around you, everything like that. It's just, there's nothing like a good flyover. Yeah, they are absolutely the best. 100% undefeated. By the way, I was uh, just doing some math just now. Uh, I'm almost, almost, so this year, we're going to go to 11 games. Uh, Every game but Notre Dame in the regular season would be the most I ever attended ever for a USC season. Really? Yes. That's right, because you haven't done as you you haven't done you've done home games, but not the full seat, not the full slate of road games, which you almost did. Which means next year I will hit two hundred all time attended. Hey, that's a big milestone. It seems cool until like we we know people <laughs> who have like streaks. I don't have streaks. Until like we a, get a Slack message from Richard. <laughs> yeah, with his streak. Whatever. Uh, anyways, uh, that's going to wrap up the episode. We have a weird week in store. Yeah, we do. Pray pray for us, guys. <laughs> pray for me specifically. I know. I, know. Well, I will take uh, donations of uh, kickstarts and five-hour energies. And I think the first thing we do is right as we land is immediately just go to a, uh, a Walgreens. 1,000%. And, and buy kickstarts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kickstarts might not even be enough i might have to go are you gonna do, uh, are you gonna do it the five hour energy i could do a five hour energy i was gonna say i was gonna have to go with some nos but five hour energy I, i've never done it so we'll, we can I try want it. you to try it i want you to try okay it. I'll, I'll try it yeah i'm super excited like most people go to colorado and try weed we're gonna go to colorado and try five hour <laughs> five hour energy there you go there you go yeah there we go. Let's do it. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, give us your calls, 213-373-1872. Email address, fanside.com is the email address. We will talk to you guys on Saturday morning, more than likely, Friday night, uh, with our car cast talking USC in Colorado in Boulder. Hey, it's going to be a true car cast. Just an FYI. Yeah. The first true car cast of the, of the year. You're welcome. Car casting in a car. Yes. So... Buckle up for that. Uh, but that'll be it for us today. We'll, we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya. See ya. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.